I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. Jesus Christ. Jeez, sorry about that. We all right? We all awake? Good, good. Uh, welcome to this Flats and Shanks live podcast in association with Guinness at the Bear Pug Twickenham. Uh, just give yourselves a round of applause for turning up. Well done. Is that working? Is that yeah. working? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we got a little VIP here section. Well done, guys. Paid a little bit extra, did you? Oh, I, as far as we're aware, they haven't paid yet. Have you paid yet? Looks like the holding pen for like the Jeremy Kyle show. Well, it's worse than that. These are all, these are mates of mine, including my brother-in-law. Right, but these are mates of mine from Maidstone in Kent. Grew up on the mean streets of Maidstone. And um, so basically what we're saying is they tried to get in without paying because they're from Maidstone. They've arrived and paid. Because they're paid, there's every chance someone's going to get glassed in the next couple of, couple of hours. So just they're nice blokes until you piss them off. So just don't let them drink. Uh, could we just get a gauge of uh, what nationality you have in the room? Put, uh, make some noise if you're English. Whoa, well done. Uh, any Kiwis here? Oh, a few, and a, a couple of Welsh, a couple of Welsh at the front. Don't mess, don't mess with those two. They look, you look fucking mental. <laughs> we're, not, we're not allowed to swear anymore. Joe and Justin are allowed to swear. We're not allowed to swear anymore because um, some of you, well, you all listen to the pod, presumably, or most of you. We've got an agent called Michelle. She's there on the stairs. And she, yeah, and the glass, and she doesn't let us swear anymore because she thinks it makes us unappealing and as people, and she's right. She's right. Uh, Dave, do you want to do the first intro as to yeah. our guests? So, what we have, uh, who should we introduce? Why don't I do the forward and you do the back? Okay, perfect. Do you want to do that? We, we're not going to have a massive, crazy build-up, but we've got um, a very interesting character on the far end. Um, interesting for lots of reasons. 59 caps for England. Um, about shed loads of appearances for Quinn so far and more to come. Um, one of the best loose heads... England's had in a couple of generations and very interestingly um, decided to stop playing for England before a lot of people thought he would which we'll discuss in a minute but ladies and gents the one and only inimitable Joe Marler oh and uh, went on a Lions tour but doesn't like to talk about it can I 
can I just say you got 59 caps uh, and zero tries, which works out as um, what is the yeah, very good ratio that more um, than Leonard. <laughs> I actually got a guilt follow this week on Twitter by you, Joseph. So so thank thank you for that. He knew um, he was going to meet you, so he had yeah, to follow you. Yeah. Probably because you knew I'm your new boss now. Um, but don't look at me like a boss, but know that I am. All right. Pleasure. That's what I'm saying. Um, to my left, we have a former Southland Canterbury Crusaders. Leeds, Ospreys, Montpellier, Saracens player. 81 caps, is that right? For New Zealand. That's right, Shanks. Thank you, Wikipedia. 140 points. Play for the Barbars now. Commentator and pundit, Justin Marshall, the champ. Put your hands together. Did he, did he ask you to call him the champ? Did he ask you to call him the champ? Uh, well, what do I, we, were, we played together, didn't we, on the Bar Bars in 2007. Oh, sorry, sorry, about sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, the lads on tour, was it? And he managed to, I mean, when you turn up to the Bar Bars, you get a, um, an envelope full of cash. Uh, it's been taxed already before, um, you ask. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you? You get, you get half, of it, half of it up front. And, uh, and Justin, he, you pulled your calf, didn't you, on the first day? Uh, real serious pull, grade two it was, but somehow dug in and managed to get the second envelope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on the Friday, didn't you? The thing is, that sounds like really dodgy, because it is, but that's the barbars who are kind of law unto themselves. But I remember my, like being 20 years old and, believe it or not, pulling my hamstring in a game a couple of games before the end of the season when they'd already announced the t- England tour to South Africa. So Clive had already announced it. And going to see the doctor with one of the other Saracens players who'd had an injury, went to see the doctor and the doctor was like, look, your hamstring is knackered. You've definitely got a tear in it. We've got a scan here. But he's like, just get on the plane. Get on the plane because then you get your tour fee. I was like, honestly, we did the whole tour. I'm thinking I'm never going to be able to play. But you get on the plane because I was earning five grand a year at Saris as a YTS player when I got picked for England. And I was like, just get on the plane. And when you're out there, tell him you've got a sore hamstring. But at least you're there, you're on the piss, you're on tour, you're getting paid. And I had to play in all five games on the tour with a knackered <laughs> hamstring. And I don't reckon I got above 60% pace, not that it was very quick, but 60% pace in five games. But it was just like, it, even the attitude then was get on and get paid. For Christ's sake, get paid. And it worked. It worked. We got it. All right, moving on. Um, Marshy, how's your, how's your week been? Um, how's the liver? Taking a hammering? Yeah, it's taking a hammering, actually. And um, yeah, good morning, everybody. It's nice to finally get a word in. Um. <laughs> anyway, that was Justin, everyone. <laughs> I don't know how you're feeling, Joe, but bloody hell. I think this I'm is going to be easy for you and I. I'm just really pleased that you've remembered my name. Here's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John. We turned up and he's looked, I said, oh, hi, I'm Joe. And he's like, yeah, cool. Uh, one, of the fa- <laughs> one of the fans today, are you? And I was like, oh, <laughs> sweet, I'll just sit back down. You security, mate. Uh, it's been, yeah, it has been a tough week um, in terms of uh, the liver, but it's been an enjoyable week. I guess uh, the All Blacks in town, for the first time in four years, has been plenty of interest, so I've enjoyed that. And I'm equally impressed that you've obviously um, grown up a little bit, Shanks, because being Welsh, you can now talk and read at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pictures, Marshy, on there. I, just you, I, li- I like writing lists. I love writing lists. I don't know why. Um, the bone collector. Joe! Uh, is, this an inter- is this an interesting week for you? Because I know these are, last week was the first England game, first England test since you announced your international retirement. Um, prematurely something, but actually you don't think prematurely, and that's all that counts. But this is kind of the biggest game so far, the biggest game of the autumn. Do you wake up this morning thinking, 
actually, I've made the right decision. I can relax and just enjoy it as a fan for once and have a couple of beers. Or do you wake up thinking, I wished I'd left it till after the autumn because it's an extra 100 grand? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that hasn't crossed my mind at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just come on this for the goodness of my heart, you yeah. see, you know, just because yeah. I'm interested, not because I'm trying to make up for the loss of earnings. <laughs> <laughs> No, in all seriousness, I, di I didn't know how I'd, I'd feel really until last week when I first woke up and the game was going to be on against South Africa. Um, and I did wake up and go, fuck. I'd quite, I'd quite like to be out there, to be honest. You've played New Zealand a few times. The hacker. Uh, you know, do you enjoy it? Do you embrace it? Um, what do you do when you're watching it? Uh, well, you stand in front of it. <laughs> yeah, have you not? You've done it before. Uh, no, I was just checking what, what you did. Oh, personally. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were asking yeah. what you're meant to do in front of it. No, you just stand there. Um, <laughs> I don't really... I don't, you know, I'm not one to... Fucking hell, you, you had a few, of you? This champ getting on. He's up for it. Um, I'm not really one to put my foot in it and say things uh, you shouldn't do. No. Um, so I've got to be very careful with what I say next. The hacker for me... Uh, I don't want to disrespect... Justin here, because he's only just learnt my name, so I want to keep it at that. <laughs> um, but I'm like, are they taking the piss? <laughs> Allowing them to do it. I know it's tradition and all that lot, but surely some traditions can be stopped. Because it just adds an extra six or seven minutes for me outside. Cooling down. Cooling down. Yeah. I don't really like warming up anyway. Yeah. I don't usually take warm-ups that seriously, so I'm not overly warm. So imagine me, I've, right, I'm singing my national anthem, which I'm belting out in, in tune. Um, <laughs> kind of sort of humming the Kiwi one. It goes on a bit too long, not a huge amount, knowing that I've got to wait for the hacker next. And then it's another fucking seven minutes. And I'm like, lads, we need to crack on. I live down near Brighton. I don't know if it... You've got to get away. The, the M25 can be fucking murder. <laughs> I'm telling you. So I'm saying, boy, come on, we've got to get on, you know, after match. So... Uh, yeah, it's a great tradition for New Zealand and fans. I know you get a lot of good photos, camera shots, you know, hairs on the back of your neck for the fans, but it's never really done anything for me, to be honest. Is it? It's interesting because Austin Healy's written a column this week and he's saying that you've got to get in their face and don't let them effectively get in their face. Don't just stand and watch it and let them do it. And there are different ways to react to it. But a lot of people have always said it gives the All Blacks an unfair advantage, but I never felt like that. I never felt like it was an advantage. I always felt like, well, as a kid, it was cool to watch. And as a player, it's cool to watch. It never felt like an advantage I, to I me. Just, I just think them being better than everyone. That's the worst bit. And the unfair advantage. Yeah. You know, the hacker's not really the issue there. No. It's just that they're better than everyone at rugby. That's the unfair advantage. Yeah. Bastards. Absolute bastards. I remember, I remember when, when Martin Johnson was the England coach, we playing against this game out in New Zealand, and he was like, it's about the hacker and someone's worth the advantage. And he said something along the lines of, it won't be the, it won't be the dance that's the advantage. It's Rico fucking gear. And he scored a hat trick. <laughs> he, was dead, he was absolutely dead right. That's the problem. You've uh, you obviously captained uh, All Blacks many, many times. You know, you lead the hacker at the front. Comfortable? Oh, I didn't have to do it, Shanks, thank God. Um, you know, that, that usually goes to uh mouldy player or it then sort of transpired that... Uh, Tana Umanga was able to do it. He he was leading the team and he also led the haka. But nowadays the the captain, yes, is right at the front of the of the pyramid. But uh, I used to be as far away from the front as I possibly could be, um, standing beside Andrew Mertens because 
you think I'm bad at the hacker? He's really shit at the hacker. <laughs> no, he was. He was embarrassing at the hacker. Absolutely yeah. embarrassing. I used to watch him and only him. He was ama amazingly bad at it. Oh, he's terrible. terrible. The worst thing was, I actually thought standing by him would make me look good. But, the, but that actually was uh, counterproductive because standing beside him, there was like 22 eyes looking straight in that zone. <laughs> Because you know how they say, oh, steer somebody down, make sure you steer back if you're in the opposition. So they're all staring at Mertz because he's shit at it. <laughs> and I'm stupid enough to stand beside him. So they're staring at both of us. So that was a really bad idea. But um, my first one of my first experiences where the haka went a little bit pear-shaped was in 97. Um, I was captain of the All Blacks at Old Trafford against England. And that was the catalyst for now them being sep separated because Richard Cockrell and Norm Hewitt basically headbutted each other. Oh, I was crapping myself anyway because it was the first test I'd ever captained against England and all of a sudden it's going to kick off in the haka. I've got two absolute nutcases with great, great heart, great intent for the game but absolutely no brains whatsoever. So, you know, you never wear that, know where that's going to lead. Um, so it was a, that was a funny experience to be told off by the referee um, for what my uh, player was doing in terms of the haka. Um, but that was a catalyst for them separating it from, from there on in that you weren't allowed to advance, etc. It wasn't a great day for me that actually because about 20 minutes into the game, um, Jono was the captain for England. Um, he, he knocked me out. So I had this problem that with the Harker and then Jono knocked me out. What accident was that? Yeah, he accidentally yeah. knocked me out with his fist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was the good old days. Like, you know, with this um, HIA now and they're very politically correct about concussion, etc. You know, they find it and they, they, there's a guy on the sideline spotting it. Jono knocked me out, and you know when you've been sparked out, gentlemen, don't you? You're out, out. And I sort of got rolled over by the, the uh, this is the day before the medical staff are your own. It's just the old traffic medical staff come on. And so they sort of roll me over and sort of throw about three litres of water on my face. And I don't know why they do that, because that only gets you wet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the bloke sort of slaps you on the face and he goes, you're right, you're right. And uh, I look up and I see his yellow vest with old Trafford on it. And he goes, where are you, where are you? And I said, at old Trafford. And he said, good, you're fine to carry on. No problem. <laughs> I, I remember playing um, New Zealand in 2004. I was just checking to see if you were playing then, but you weren't. It was uh, Perry Wepu at nine. And we had this idea of how we beat New Zealand. Because obviously the hacker, you know, they get up for it, don't they? It's a, it's a bit of an emotional high for New Zealand. And what we thought we'd do at Wales is we'd, we'd keep our tracksuit tops on for the anthem um, over our shirts. And then we'd stand and watch the hacker, you know, respect it. And then really slowly, really slowly, like walk to the side of the field take off our tracksuit tops, then really slowly get into position because we thought that really sort of fucked them up. <laughs> How'd it go? Well, do you know what, mate? Um, it was probably the best result Wales have had against New Zealand in like 60 years. We lost by a point. Um, what, did I score? Yeah, I scored. Um, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, but we've done everything. We've done, I might have told you so. We've done everything at, at the Hacker. You know, we've... We've tried to get the hacker before the anthem, so you finish on your home anthem and you, you go out. Wasn't, and then there, wasn't there one where you didn't let them do it? Yeah, this is the one, oh, if you let me finish. Oh, wow. We'd, yeah. you know, it's Thank almost you. like we've, I mean, we've planned it. You know, if, yeah, show it for her. You go now. Time. You go now. Yeah, it's not a fucking chat show. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they weren't having any of it whatsoever. They said, look, the hacker, it's tradition. You do it before kickoff. And we said, no, it's, it's, it's Principality Stadium, you've got to do it before. And they said, no, and we said, yes, and it went on and on. Eventually, they did the most powerful hacker they've ever done in the changing room with the BBC camera crew in there. And uh, if there's one thing I learned, mate, against playing the All Blacks, is just don't really piss them off. Um, 
you know, 41-3 that day. <laughs> Half time. Um, <laughs> but, what I will, yeah, but what I will say, you know, the penalty Stephen Jones kick was right on the touchline. Um, it was phenomenal. Um, Richard McCall was offside. It was phenomenal. We gave him three cheers after. Um, they're just too good, aren't they, basically? Remember when... Remember Buck Shelford? Obviously, you know Buck Shelford, but Wayne Shelf, Buck Shelf, one of the greatest of all time and all that. For a year, uh, before you went to Sarries, Marshall, I was at Sarries, and he was our head coach. He was director of rugby at Sarries for a year. Didn't go brilliantly. Um, but then we went over to play against in New Zealand in 2010, and the, uh, we played against the Maoris in Napier, and he was their coach, or he was there, or something like that, on the sideline, and whatever, and we lost the game 36-35 or something. It was a good, good game. But anyway, we're at the end, and the hacker goes on at the start, and it was an amazing hacker. It was like all, so all, all 23 Maori guys. It was an amazing hacker. And I was standing in the middle of the line, and I loved it. It was great fun. So I really enjoyed it, and I was smiling and whatever. And after the game, you say hello to the lads. You pop in their change rooms. We had a couple of cans of spades. It was nice, really nice event, you know. And then you go to the post-match function, and it's rammed like it is in here. All men. There was not a female in the room. And it was like, we noticed it after a while. And we mentioned it to someone. So women in the crowd. And we mentioned it to one of the players. He's like, oh, the women won't come in here. This is the man's pub. And you're kind of like, oh, this is a bit odd. A post-match function. We're all in our suits and stuff. And there were these, there were some, I mean, it's not a surprise to anyone who's ever watched a game of rugby. There are some very big Maoris on this planet. There were some massive Maori guys. And one of them walked over to me. We literally had a pint in our hand by the bar. Walked over to me. And he sort of tapped me, and he's a massive guy in a leather jacket. And his two mates were massive guys in leather jackets. He said, I saw you during the, during the hacker. Why were you laughing? I said, I wasn't laughing. You were laughing at the hacker. Why were you laughing? You were number one. I said, yeah, why were you laughing? And I was like, I wasn't laughing. I was smiling. I enjoyed it. No, you were laughing. And he put his pint down. And he said, put your pint down. I was like, is he serious? <laughs> is this guy serious? Like, are we, are we going to go here? Is that what's going to happen? And Buck Shelford was right next to him, was right, right behind him. And I was like, Buck, is this guy serious? He goes, he laughed at the hacker. And Buck literally turned around and goes, shit, Fletz, you're on your own, mate. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> you're on your own. And a member of staff came in. This bloke was going to go. He was like 50 years old. We were going to be scrapping at the post-match function. That was it. And then it was uh, uh, Liam Messam, I think, came up to me about 10 minutes later. And he's like, oh, you're the guy who played number one. Yeah, yeah. He's like, sorry about that. But we all saw you laughing. Don't fucking laugh again. So I, I said, firstly... I wasn't laughing. I really enjoyed it. it a, I actually, actually felt like a privilege. Secondly, fuck off. Joe, what do you have to game? cook it some eggs or something, is it? Calm him yeah, down. I mean, yeah, yeah, anyway, so I, eggs. I gave him a dry slap. No, I didn't. Um, I bought him a drink and then bought him another drink and another drink and it was fine. So, Chill out, lads. So Joseph St. John Marler, you finished now. That's his middle name, yeah. by the way. Pardon? St. John. Is it? Yeah. It's not my middle. Where the fuck have you got that from? Grinder. Just checking his profile now. Goldfinger! That's bollocks, mate, because I've, um, I've turned my privacy on, so that's bullshit. It was on, Wiki it was on Wikipedia. Um, probably have to edit that bit out as well. You know, obviously 59 Caps, you've been in the England camp a long time. <laughs> <laughs> who, were, who were the sort of characters, apart from yourself, that entertained you sort of day in, day out? Um, the obvious one is, is Hask. Um, and when, I, when you say entertained is, is loose. He'd <laughs> always hold court in the dining room, breakfast, lunch or dinner. He'd be at the table. More often than not, he'd be looking for the coach's table. 
Um, the amount of times you, I've caught him next to Eddie or trying to make Eddie laugh, and Eddie loves it because Hask thinks it's Eddie liking him and you know, you know, becoming really fond of him. But he's not. Eddie's just sat there taking the piss out of him and just mate, fuck, 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 fuck. And Hask, <laughs> and Hask is like, yeah, he loves me. He's gonna, yeah. <laughs> just going really well for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Hask is the one, but. I could only ever really spend four or five minutes on that table and then go, oh, fuck's sake, I've heard this. It's not this one again where the courser comes screeching into Penny Hill car park and I'm like, right, I pick my stuff up. <laughs> and I'm like, someone else, you deal with him. I'm too. And usually by the end of it, he's sat on his own, still telling the stories, hoping <laughs> that everyone who's moved tables can still hear him. Um, so he's probably one of the bigger characters there, but he's obviously not there anymore. Um, it's quite what happened? What happened with the uh, Watergate? <laughs> For those, I think we all saw it. You squirted a little bit of water on uh, on Hask, and he well, the, the he didn't he didn't like it really, did he? he? No, sir, you can't do that. You can't squirt water in my fake yellow card. Leave the field, thank you. <laughs> um, I grabbed his scrum at at a ruck just yeah. to try and annoy him. You know, stay on the legal side of the laws, not the illegal side of the laws. Yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. Still learning. Yeah. Um, and it, I'd ripped it off. And he was getting really angry. He's choking me on the floor. I'm like, oh. Because, <laughs> um, you know, we get on. Um, but I've... <laughs> that's what you do, no? That's what you do. That's what you do. I've nicked his scrum at, and it's all you know, argy-bargy. I've walked off. and t- You don't see it on the TV, but I've tucked his scrum at under my shirt and walked off. That's why it looks like I've got a gut. I haven't. <laughs> so... I've, I've walked off and I've hiding, and you can see him losing the plot. He's like, "Where's my scrum at? Where's my fucking red scrum at? I want my scrum at. I need my scrum at. Where is my scrum at?" And I'm like giggling away like a kid, <laughs> as you do, trying to find things there. And and then uh, he realizes I've got it, and I just lob it on the floor. And that's when he has to walk over to try and get it. That's why he comes walking past over. The, and he, as he does that, I'm having a drink, and I've just gone straight in his face, as if to say, "Oh, calm down, mate. You know, just <laughs> chill out a little bit." To which he's then turned around and... Ah! <laughs> lost it, hasn't he? Lost it. Absolutely lost it. He'd been out for a while, injured, trying to get back in the England game, in the England squad. Eddie was at the game. It was his first game back. He'd just come <laughs> off the bench. And I saw that as an opportunity to say, no, <laughs> you're not playing for England again. <laughs> Your career's over, mate. I'm going to help with that one. Um, and it was also Danny Kerr. So that's also unseen. Yeah. yeah. He was the instigator on it all, but because everyone, you know, Danny's a nice cheeky chappy and yeah, everyone loves Danny. Oh, I do love Danny, by the way. He, you know, good, good mate, mate. That wasn't sarcasm. <laughs> that was me just saying that good... It's not Cockney rhyming either, is it? Go no. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, he gets away with blue murder, to be honest with you, because everyone likes him and I don't have that effect. <laughs> Violins can play now. Um... <laughs> So it was actually him that instigated it. But, yeah, I gave him a hug after the game with Hask and just said quietly to him, 1-0, thank you. Yeah, that's a win. That's a major win. But I, you watch the game these days, and I know that cause you've been playing for Quinns for a long time, and the game's changed a lot since you started playing. And towards the end of when we were playing and you started playing, and it, there was more, basically, there was more scrapping. And I remember you, you know, coming up against people like Marcos, Ajerza and all that, and... Everyone's swinging and sticking the nut in and that sort of stuff. And now it just it just can't happen as much because as soon as you do it, 
you're in trouble. And it's kind of, we, we have to say it's better for the game, but the truth is the stories were better 10 years ago, weren't they? <laughs> it just well, yeah, look, if you think about the story I've just told, it involved me squirting water on another man's yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you even listen to Justin's story that, you know, he's talking about punching, a scrum half getting away with punching someone or, you know, yeah. half getting away with it. And I'm like, I'm looking at myself like, I'm too fucking young. I should have been born. Exactly. When you, no, not that old. You know, <laughs> somewhere in between there. Um, and now, although it is interesting because you've got to find new ways or I've got to find new ways um, to enjoy myself on the pitch. Yeah. Um, with sort of random... Bits of fun that isn't illegal. What you, what you got to, the, apart from all the swinging and landing, there's also what, what it really was like was everyone thinking they're really hard. Pretty much every rugby player being crap at actually fighting when it comes to it. And being 18 and playing in France and having, being on, flat on your front on the bottom of a ruck where you can't move your arms and having someone from above you and behind trying to rip your balls off <laughs> to the point where you have to have stitches and you're, scrotum because they try so hard and their fingernails rip your balls and then someone else while you scream trying to pull your eyeballs out of your head and it's like I've, I, was at, I was at posh school six months ago we had we had we had silk line blazers at Dulwich College and uh, I wore penny loafers to school and now I'm going to be blind and scrotumless <laughs> and it's my hero that's I won't say his name but it's because it's my hero that's doing it like the French front row at that point at Toulouse my hero that's doing it, so I will say nothing and I will be happy to be gouged. Thank you very much. Turning me on a bit then, you were. Um, <laughs> you've obviously got over it. Yeah, I'm all right. Marshy, um, talk, about talk about tough oppositions. Um, who was the toughest you played in your time? Uh, look, I guess a lot of the test matches I played, um, being Southern Hemisphere orientated, was, was against uh, South Africa and Australia. So two of the guys that I came up a lot against was... Uh, the late Jus van der Westhuizen, um, who was just on his day, probably not just the greatest scrum half in the game. He was probably uh, one of the best rugby players on the planet. So he, he could spin a game like nothing else. Um, and the other one, obviously, was uh, George Gregan. Um, 139 test matches, all of them at this level. You know, he never, he never buttoned off. He's super competitive, always wanted to win, whereas Jus could fluctuate a little bit. He could have little sulky moments like Shanks does um, and then pick himself back up. But when he was good, he was very, very good. Uh, so, you know, consistently, I think probably over the period, uh, George Gregan's the one. But he's just super competitive. You know, he's a scrum half and um, he never wanted to lose. He was, you know, his mouth was going as quick as his feet was uh, for every test match that he played. And just a little story about George that, that typifies the, the, the want and the will to win. One of the first times I ever played it, now we're good mates, we get on really well, which um, is hard to believe, <laughs> um, but we do, and we'd played each other right through uh, age group rugby and then ended up playing test matches against each other. He, he was a couple of years ahead of me, so I played my first test match against him in Brisbane, and he was captaining Australia, I was standing beside the scrum. Now leading into this game, there was a lot of media attention because there was a young referee making his first big appearance really in a big game called uh, Craig Joubert, and... The Wallabies, being a very good team at that time, they smelt a rat. They thought, right, there's an opportunity here. So we lead into the game, and after 10 minutes, minutes, it's very evident to me what they're up to. Every single time he blows his whistle, every time there's a breakdown, they are at him. He's not rolling away, they're offside, not releasing the ball, get them back. Everything that he goes to try and officiate on, they question. They're all going at him, hammer and tongs, keep going, keep going, keep going. 
You can see Joubert getting really frustrated. So we go to a scrum. Ford gets injured again. Um, and so while the Ford's getting taken care of, I'm standing next to George waiting for him to, to get his uh, medical treatment. And Joubert's had enough. So he looked, he grabs George and he said, look, mate, this is ridiculous. It's been 20 minutes. These guys are at me. Every single decision I go to make, it's not good enough. And we can't continue the game like this. It's got to stop. Every decision I go to make, you're questioning. It's all the players. They're all talking. You're the captain. You've got to get control of it. I was listening away. This was intriguing. You've got to deal with it. And I thought, this is quite strong for a young referee. He said, if you don't deal with it, there's going to be problems. It's like there's 10 different referees out here. And George said, yep, and you're not in that top 10. <laughs> we lost that test match. <laughs> they had control of the ref. But that's George, you know, that's the, the competitive guy. Never, never wanted to lose and never wanted to be getting, uh, not getting the last word in. But you know the whole controlling referees thing, and some, some players have been brilliant at that over the years and influenced refs at key times, and some people like Lawrence Delalio have just offered a sermon at every single decision. So in the end, I think the refs just say, well, just let it go Lawrence's way to save the earache or whatever it was. But I remember playing against Leicester as a young bloke at Welford Road, and Shanks, you played. I think you were against Will Greenwood, and we were winding Shanks up all week because Greenwood was a genius, and Shanks was just quite strong despite looking weird. And... Um, <coughs> But you scored a couple of tries and it went well. I think we won up there, whatever. But I remember I was a loose head and I swapped over to tight head, which isn't a lot of fun, as you'll know, Joe. And I was against Graham Roundtree, who was 55 cap international. And pretty, pretty tough, you know. And because we were loose head kind of rivals, he was much better in the end. But we were rivals, effectively. He was very keen to get stuck into me when I was on the tight head. So I was sort of, you know, batting down the hatches type thing. And it was kind of going all right, not really moving forward, but surviving. And then someone slotted me in a scrub and I didn't know who it was. All I knew was that I was 19, 20, whatever, and you cannot go to a place like that and let them take liberties. So we come up sort of swinging, and no one's hitting anyone, but we're swinging and trying to nut each other and bite each other, and it all gets broken up. And Steve Lander, the referee, takes us over to one side, and he's like, right, flats. Everyone calls me flats. Everyone calls Graham Roundtree wig. Everyone's only ever called him wig. And he said, flats, do this, and you wig, you behave yourself. Got that clear? Is that clear? You stop doing that. Flats, you get your bind up. Wig, you stop doing that. And he said, anything to say? And Wig just said, that's Mr. Roundtree to you. That was it. That was all he said. And we, the ref laughed. I laughed. Wig didn't laugh. And that was it. And he absolutely alphaed him. He completely alphaed Lander. And I just got pinged off the park after that. He just, he just he, yeah, dominated him. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. David, any danger of talking about today's game? Oh, the bloody rugger that's on today. I can't wait. Joe um, can't wait. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So, there's the rugger's on. It's, it's blimmin' happening. Unfortunately, um, the All Blacks haven't arrived um, with England unbeatable with Manu in banging form like they were last time. Anyway, they've arrived and their rival's favourite's Joe. How do you see today's game likely going? That's a sentence. <laughs> what, what do you reckon might happen in the game? I think uh, there'll be a ball. Mm. They will um, always will be. Um, no, seriously, let's be serious now. Give some serious analytical feedback on the game. There's a teammate. Thank you. Just double-checking who's playing. <laughs> um, Don't worry about the penis drawn on the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Very accurate here. It's tiny. Scale. Um, Shanks reckons if you can't draw all of your friends' genitals that you play with, then something's wrong with you. That's true, isn't it, Shanks? You can describe everyone's private areas that you play with, can't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes or no? If you can't look at another man's penis in the shower, there's something wrong with you. If you're going like, if you're like this, if you're like this... I, I, 45 seconds ago, I'd literally just said, let's talk some serious analytical <laughs> stuff. Yeah, sure, actually. And it immediately went to drawing cock and balls. But <laughs> that's fine. That's the effect. Again, we'll edit have. that bit out. Um, <laughs> it's going to be tough, isn't it? England, uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, but I do keep thinking back to 2012. Mm. You know, people wrote England off then, saying, you know, best All Blacks teams come into town. They're just... Run him through. I would have liked to have seen Manu involved in the 23, but yeah. as far as I know, he's probably picked up another knock, yeah. which is a shame for him. But, um, yeah, I think if they can show some grit, like they did last week in the forwards, and take it to him a little bit more, they might be in with a chance. If they start off giving away pens left, right and centre, they're going to struggle. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of the question is, it's the eternal question in rugby. And again, it's like the... Does the hacker give, an av give them an advantage? No, being better than every other team gives them an advantage. But in terms of how you beat them, the Springboks showed one way to beat them the other week, which was just completely in their faces, swarming them super, super physical. I'm not sure England have that sort of bulk and mindset to do that, especially with Billy not playing, uh, with you not playing, Joe. Um, ovs. But ovs <laughs> and Mako. <coughs> yeah, with Mako not playing. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, so I wonder, I wonder what would be the plan for England to beat this All Blacks team? Uh, to be quite frank and honest, yeah, I tried five times. Yeah, I failed five times. So you're asking the wrong bloke. Got it. 
Um, <laughs> got it. It's <laughs> uh, a good point. How would you know? Yeah. Anyone got Jason Leonard's number? <laughs> Actually, Shanks wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Joe wouldn't know. Marsh, you've never beaten the All Blacks, but you've played in All Blacks teams that have lost. So how might England... How, would, how should England try and beat them today? Uh, look, there's no doubt about it. I, I actually agree with Joe um, that, you know, opportunities are always there and regardless of all the lead-up and build-up into a game and the talk about injuries, etc., etc., uh, that doesn't defy the result. So, you know, you have to make sure that you... What are you looking at me like that for? I'm just, I, I'm I don't think defy was the word, was it? I'm just absorbing the chat so I can use it later on. Go. All oh, right. <laughs> Steal it off you. Um, look, when I think about it, and I know we'll go a little bit more in depth into some of the... I agree with you um, as well, Flats. So that's two props I've agreed with in two mm. minutes, which is a miracle. Mm. Um, that, you know, th there's no doubt about it that this game is set up quite nicely, but it's what, whether or not England are brave enough to do some certain things in this game against the All Blacks, and one of them is defence. I think Eddie came out and he watched the Lions series. Um, he's got John Mitchell on board. He saw how frustrated uh, the All Blacks got with the way the Lions defended in the second and third test. Um, you mentioned South Africa. They defended out to in as well and stopped the outside channels. The All Blacks want to play in the outside channels. And what, what uh, the Lions did successfully in South Africa, they cut that outside channel off, but it does have a huge element of risk in it. So it's whether or not they're brave enough to do that. And secondly... Not going to accumulate in threes to beat the All Blacks. And so when I say brave, I say England come out of the blocks. They have a great amount of sustained pressure on the All Blacks. They fatigue them defensively. They win a penalty after all that. The All Blacks' hands are on their hips. They've been under the pump. And it's a kickable three. That's not going to win you the test match. They've got to go for more. And are they brave enough to go turn down three to go for five and seven and accumulate that way? That's mentally the attitude they've got to take into the game. And why wouldn't they, you know? There's an opportunity there just to take the game by the scruff of the neck and everybody's saying that the All Blacks are going to win. So they go, you know what, we're going to take it to you. Do you think, um, I think Barrett will probably kick a goal today yep. uh, over McKenzie. Uh, we saw against South Africa some of those pressure kicks didn't quite go to plan. I mean, is that a little bit of a worry if England are in the game with 10 minutes to go, two or three points difference when the penalties matter? A little bit worried about whether Barrett can nail him? Yeah, I think so. But I, I also believe that's why he has got that enigma, that those big pressure ones, which he did miss against South Africa. The All Blacks actually scored more tries against South Africa and Wellington, yeah. but they couldn't accumulate the, the points from Barrett's boots. So that ultimately cost him a test match. But that's why they pitched, uh, picked Richie Moonga on the bench. He, he'll be injected into the game 25, 30 minutes. Um, and... He has been taking the goal-kicking responsibility, so I think they've recognised that that is a problem, and that's why he's been chosen. I mean, we, we won't go too hard on Bowden Barrett. He's up for third IRB World Player of the Year um, this week. Um, but um, it is one for you on that, Tommy. It, I would say Bowden Barrett is, a, is an unbelievably good rugby player, but I would argue that he has not had his best year. He's still better than almost everyone else that's playing, but he's not... I would say, why isn't Ty... Why isn't uh, Tyg Furlong up for World Player of the Year? Like, if you're looking for someone who, in his position, doesn't kick goals, but you played against him, Joe, and he's, I'm sure there, there, are, there are plenty of great tight heads knocking about, but actually in terms of someone who can do everything he's expected to do, plus a load more, 
I don't see many players on the planet more rounded and capable than him in a game. Would you agree with that? No, I do agree with that, actually. Uh, you only have to look at the Leinster game. They play Wasps. Yeah. yeah. Where he's outside in, channel. He's in yeah. the outside channel, and I'm like... Are you, is he taking a piss? I know. Yeah, and I, I get really frustrated and upset because I'm good mates with Mako, I'm good mates with Tig from, from that tour, and I, I look at him and I, I sat him down a couple of times. I said, lads, you have to stop this. Yeah. Because what you're doing is putting me out the job because yeah. they're now going to look at loose heads and tight heads and go, we don't want scrummages. We don't, what's that? No one, no one likes a scrum, do they? No, not really. No. I can't say I do. Right, no. Yeah. So we don't want them. We want our props to be able to pull it out the back, uh, look for little grubbers through, um, <laughs> carry the ball 15 to 20 times a game. 15 to 20 times a game. Yeah. Arrogant. Those, those, I, Arrogant. Well, what, that means they're getting off the floor quickly and looking for work. Yeah. <laughs> And for me, I just, I think that's nonsense. Um, but no, all jokes aside with Ty, I, I don't get it. I don't get why they haven't looked at him and gone, well, he's a prop, he's a world-class scrummager, but he's also a world-class ball carrier, defender, yeah. contributes around the field. I mean, maybe it's an all-Kiwi panel that have picked this. That's it. Um, Marshy, Marshy, you were on the panel, weren't you? No. No, no I wasn't. But it, uh, I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's never been a prop nominated for World Player of the Year. Never been. When you think there have been some pretty good props over the years, Carl Heyman never got nominated. Okay. You know, I find, I find um, it a bit odd. Anyway, we'll lift this so conversation back up now. <laughs> <laughs> we should have left that, just me yeah. and you. We'll carry yeah. on. Get yeah. a room. Uh, Marshy, uh, Mackenzie, Mackenzie at full back. Chris Ashton's in on the wing. Um, presumably, obviously, because of his support lines as well. But I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of cross-field kicks, you know, when you get into the, uh, the Kiwis 22, trying to... Isolate McKenzie in the air. You know, both Chris Ash and Johnny made pretty good in the air, a lot taller than Jack Nile. A little bit of a worry for you? Oh, well, it's a strength. There's no doubt about it, as, as you mentioned. Uh, the, the danger in that is obviously being in that zone, and then that's a risk. there's a risk element in that uh, tactic as well because you're effectively kicking the ball away. Yeah. So you've got to get the kick absolutely bang on, you've got to get the chaser there, and you've got to win the ball back because otherwise you're just giving it back to the All Blacks. And I think. You know, what you, what you want to do in a test match against the All Blacks, if I was playing, well, actually, yeah, I have played against them for the Barbarians. Uh, you just don't want them to have the ball more than you. Um, and teams that think that they effectively are going to shut the All Blacks down and pin them with territory and um, keep gifting them back the ball will find themselves on the wrong side of the scoreboard. So, you know, that tactic's all very well to use, but I would use it sporadically because yeah. you are giving the ball back unnecessarily. Just on that uh, New Zealand back line now, we, we sort of know everyone out there, Sonny Bill Williams, you know what he's going to bring, but Jack Goodhue, right, pretty inexperienced, he's had, he's had a few caps, but he's looked unbelievable, hasn't he? You know, he, he looks like that is his, you know, he's going to be the next 13 for New Zealand for a while. Yeah, he's, he's a classic centre, I think, um, in the mould that, uh, you know, he, he runs hard. Um, he tackles, he's got good pass from both hands. Um, you know, he does everything in the game that you didn't when you played centre. So yeah. oh. <laughs> I was just ticking everything off in my head then. Yeah, Deep got, boy. got, uh, got it. But it. I think he's, like, he, he, he's, I think the way that they like to use him um, and the importance of him is for around the likes of Sonny Bill Williams, who is a great ball runner. Um, he has got distribution skills, but... Often you'll see the, the All Blacks use him as a decoy runner. If they're not using him to hit up, they'll use him as a decoy. And then you need a centre with jamming in defence that, that can shift the ball and has got good vision. And 
Um, good Hughes, a classic. Uh, he's just back from, can you believe he had glandular fever? Really? Of all things. These yeah. days. The I kissing know. disease. How Edwardian of him. kissing disease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How many times have I had that? That's only... <laughs> uh, only in Wales, hey? Still got it. <laughs> it's quite, uh, quite common on Grinder as well. Oh, yeah. Just, you know. yeah. You've been sniffing glue? You've got spots around your mouth. No, it's fine anyway. <laughs> um, do we have any questions that anyone, anyone wants to ask? Um... Before, yeah, and I want, we want you to ask questions. Feel and we free. want to do that. And we, at the back there. Um, and we, yes. We'll repeat. How does one, I know it's very embarrassed, a world class player, but how does England stop him? How okay. do England stop First off, what's your name? Phil. Phil. I'm Phil. 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 Okay, just one name, yeah, Phil, fine, like Seal. He's like, <laughs> he's, like he's like Coutinho. M- McLovin. One what, name. What was your question again? How do, what's your name, Diddy? Oh, okay. How, Joe, how does one stop? <laughs> we, are, we are so at the rugger. <laughs> wait, wait. How does one stop this ruddy Barrett chap? The He's running riot. <laughs> so Frilly. He is. Frilly. When he, says, when he says one, does he mean one. he wants the loose head to stop? What's yeah. this? Yeah. this one? No, he thinks is he's that... playing. Phil, you're Phil, just you're expecting not... the loose head to get up right. Ronaldinho, you're not playing. It's not Phil, one. Phil, yeah. He's off to Jim Carner after the rugby anyway. Right, how... Uh, <laughs> How do you go about stopping Barrett? Serious question. Um, I want a serious answer. Well, I'd ask Owen Farrell, number 10, to hit him as hard as he hit yesterday's <laughs> last week, uh, but in the first five minutes, okay. and remove him from the field. Just quickly, what you <laughs> That's how you stop him. That's how you would stop him. That is one answer to yeah. it. Thank you. Um, one, just, one agrees. Doesn't just, one. Uh, Right, thank you. I, I, li- I very much like the way you've expressed yourself through dress today, but <laughs> we'll, we will take a photo of that. But what were your thoughts on that tackle from um, Farrell and Esther Hazen? Are you along the lines of legal? Enough arm wrap for you? I mean, I don't want to put no, there an answer in no, your head. No, there wasn't any arm wrap from his right arm. It was a penalty. Okay. Yeah, of course but it was. I definitely loved the hit, and <laughs> I wanted... Yeah. I was like, yeah, well, don't give it, because there's a chance we might lose if you do give it. Uh, any more questions, you guys? Brilliant. Thanks. Uh, Thanks thanks. for coming, guys. Yeah, we've got one in the middle there. Uh, Why do we think they've dropped Jack Noel for Chris Ashton after last week's game? Um, Why do we think? Joe, what do you think? Well, you couldn't drop drop Johnny May. He's on fire, isn't he? Yeah. And you're hoping that he scores another wonder try like he did in 2014. Mm. Um, But the real answer is I don't know because I don't. But I'm sure Justin does have a better insight than me. Please. Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> right, quick. Jack Noel was on the wing last week. Yeah, when that game was on, I was actually in the middle of Rapongi in Japan, so oh. I didn't really miss that. And Rapongi never sleeps, Marsh. It we does know not, that. no. But Chris Ashton, we know about his threat. Yep. But do you, st- do you think the All Blacks... Is, this is leading from your question, adding another question, if you don't mind. I've got a microphone, so I'll do what I want. Um, <laughs> Whenever we used to play in whatever team against particularly good teams, so if you're playing for your club and you're playing against Leicester, who were dominant for a long time, or was dominant for a long time, or you're playing for England and you're playing against the All Blacks, suddenly what, what you find the coaches saying all week is just another game. It's just another game. It's just another game. But they never say that for all the other games. They just say it for the biggest game. And you used to spend like eight days of the week leading into playing against New Zealand, preparing for New Zealand, and watching what they do and what they do and what they do. And I always wonder... It ties in with the Ashton threat. 
I'm sure New Zealand, the All Blacks, will analyse England, but how much time will they spend thinking and talking about the opposition versus how they think and talk about themselves? Because I used to play against good sides and think, are they as worried about us as we are about them? That's what I wonder. Is there an answer? Was that a question? So anyway... <laughs> no, I switched point, no, off about halfway what, through. I thought... What is a double-dip recession? Um, <laughs> We did, we did, I did this thing with no, Sean no, Fitzpatrick last from. year, and I did that to him, and he goes, he goes you've, uh, what you've done there, Flats, is you've asked a question, then answered it, and answered another, asked another one and answered that too, so shall I just fuck off home? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. well, well, I'm not going to answer it then. Anyway, uh, do the All Blacks spend a lot of time worrying about people like Chris Ashton, or do they get on with their own stuff? No, they'll, they'll, they'll analyse and, and look at uh, strengths and weaknesses, as they do for every team. Um, look, I, I, I think uh, Ashton's been included simply because uh, he's experienced and he's a good defender. Uh, and I think that might give a little bit of an insight that England are going to try and push forward and, and aggressively defend the All Blacks today. And a player like him is also dangerous. Um, he does seem to have a knack of getting intercepts, picking off passes, um, and I think that's why he's been included. So, yeah, the All Blacks will be aware of those threats, so they'll analyse that and, and um, make sure that they don't throw those passes that he can cause them problems with. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they go through the same process as every team. They respect uh, England for what they will bring. Um, they'll, they'll look at all the sort of finer details of the game and um, analyse it in any, any other way. But yeah, they, 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 it, is, it is a cliche, but it's, it is just another game. Mm. I think because uh, Elliot Daly's playing at 15 as well, made a lot of breaks last week. Um, you know, he didn't really link up with his players, but Chris Ashton's support lines are absolutely incredible. I don't think it's like a support line of a, of a nine. You know, he just gets in front of the ball all the time, managed to get on so many tries. Um, what was your uh, were you impressed with Mark Wilson at eight last week? Had a cracking game, didn't he? Yeah, it? he was brilliant. Um, slightly out of position. He's usually like six, seven. Mm. Not really an eight usually, mm. is he? But he's a grafter, um, top bloke, and he it was his first start at Twickenham. Really pleased with him. I just think the area that we might get parity, or you know, maybe a good humdinger, as they say in um, where did in they rugger, say that? Bloody rugger, they say in rugger. One, one believes that Marrow and Cruiser up against uh, Bri- uh, Brody, Retallick and Sam Whitelock will be yeah, that's nice. one, to, one to watch today for me. Yeah, well, why, nice. do you, why do you think they didn't pick Courtney Laws? Um, I, I, we, we thought that, that, that he would be selected. I, w- yeah, I would have I picked him yeah. and moved him and Marrow about in the yeah. back row mm. just to look to hammer that line out and get a real advantage there. Uh, I don't know whether he's still struggling with his back a little bit. Or sometimes, sometimes though, you know, they they pick players on a bench that they're obviously going to get on, but they make more of an impact. And uh, you know, that's why I sort of benched a fair bit for Wales. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd make such an impact off the bench. But when it's when it's a close, when it's a close call between two players, often the player they think is going to make more of an impact in the game coming off the bench will often start because you know you, you want someone when they come off the bench to if make it, an Maybe impact. if it's pure, maybe if it's yeah, pure fifty-fifty. But then I, was, I think the same as Joe. I think you, if you're going to... The All Blacks have pretty much always got such an efficient set piece. It's quite difficult to disrupt opposition scrums, All Black scrums, because they're good at it. And also, they're missing you know, a couple of guys, missing a couple of loose heads, and that's actually probably, if not deep out, Ben Moon, very, very good prop. So they'll try and disrupt that. But when you've got someone like Courtney Laws knocking about, if he's fit, I would stick him in just because he's six foot seven with 11 foot arms. And it's like, no. and it's just, if you can cut off the ball 
that they're winning and make their day at the line out and set piece as difficult as possible, you just stand a much, much better chance. In terms of these autumn internationals, Marshy, how important is it um, leading up to the World Cup? Is it something they're thinking about now? Are these, are these incredibly important for... I mean, New Zealand are obviously going to be favourites going into the World Cup. I, th I don't think mentally it has an effect. I think it's just a gauge of, as to where you're at. Now, you know, it's not rocket science that England haven't played the All Blacks in, in four years, so there's an opportunity to see where they're at. Um, unfortunately for, I guess, um, England's um, predicament is that the, 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 the injury problem. So it's not probably a true gauge. Uh, but, you know, I don't think it's World Cup form that these internationals have an effect on. I think they're just uh, 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 an opportunity for the players to to get an idea of the pace and the tempo that the game's progressing at when the Southern and Northern Hemisphere haven't played each other for a while, where the, where the, the laws are sort of progressing in the way that game's evolving. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it certainly, I think, um, is important for knowledge leading into Rugby World Cup, but I don't think mentally it has an effect. So if, for example, the All Blacks were to win today, when they go to the Rugby World Cup and they come up against England, oh, well, yeah. we beat them in November, so we should beat them now. I don't think that's a part of it. Oh, just, just on that, I listened to something prior to the first game last week with Sam Warburton. He did an interview for Telegraph or something like that and he came out and said, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. If we lose all four, as Wales, if we lose all four games, you know, it doesn't really matter because it's all about the World Cup. It's not a tournament now, it's not a thingy. And I was like, he's right. I never thought like that as a player when I was in it. I went, oh, the... All Blacks are here, South Africa here, it's massive. We've got to win, they're must-win games. Um, and I guess you do think like that as a player, but now that Warby's come out of it, he's, he's like, well, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. And I'd love to have that attitude and see that more as the, for the players because it might release the pressure off him a little bit more. Yeah, and back, back themselves a back bit. Back themselves and, yeah. you know, you get boys that are a little bit uptight and worried about it, but... It's not going to happen, is it? So I'm just dreaming. You're dreaming, mate. Hey, Tom, we're going to have to round this up now. because Yeah, um, round it up. If anyone's got a killer question they want to ask at the end, um, or now, it's fine. We got, this is, right, we're going to come to you, mate. What's your name? Mark. Mark, this and this is, is, this is the final question of the live pod, okay? You've got a 59-cap England legend. You've got a 70-cap Welsh legend, double Grand Slam winner. You've got 81-cap All Black legend. And you've got former England under-21 second-choice captain, Lucia Prop. <laughs> okay, but I'm wearing the best jumper out of the four of us. So this is going to be... This is it. This is the killer question, Mark. Let's do it. Question for Joe, then. Is the Eddie Jones England oh, camp too tough? Oh, no. Jesus is the, Christ! Is the, Eddie, yeah, is the Eddie Jones England camp too tough, Joe? You've just been teed up for, like, the ultimate question. <laughs> And you've come at me with that one. <laughs> can I... No, I'm not going to swear. You say you can't swear, can you? Piss too off. late now, you can Piss swear. Piss off, I'm not answering. <laughs> Piss off. No, what was it, anyway? No, I'm not answering it. What He's was it? Is it too tough? Is it too hard? Is well, it yeah, well, it was for me, because it involved, it involved running. Um, <laughs> and lots of it. So I decided, no, I don't want to do running anymore. I want to try and cling on to as much as I can for as much as I can. You're going to chase your family around with a leaf blower. That's what you thought. You're a stalker. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a leaf blower. It's got to be used for something. Yeah. Terrorising your kids. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Hey, well done, Mark. That's rounded it off nicely, isn't it, mate? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are going to have to call it a day now. These two have got to get off to, to more corporate duties and flats. Um, I'm up for a drink if anyone wants to have a drink. 
looking for friends. Um, thank you for thank you for coming on behalf of Guinness and the Bear Pub. We're going to release this podcast on Monday. Make sure you download it. Thank you very much. Big round of applause for Joe Marler and Justin Marshall. And yeah, round of applause. And also one final round of applause to my friends Ros and Jim who got married last Saturday. Ros and Jim, there they are. Stephen Candice, there we are. Cheers, everybody. 